Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear people of God, I thank you for joining us today. God calls us to come together often and regularly to take a pause from our busy lives or maybe not so busy lives these days and hear from him. And judging by the size of this book he gave us, is a lot he wants to tell us. He also wants to help us deal with circumstances we face in our daily lives and in the world around us. And so we thank him for that and his precious gift of his son Jesus and all the blessings of life, the forgiveness of sins, the gift of faith, and eternal life. Today, I want to talk to you about what we see happening in our world and particularly about the evil of injustice and racism and inequality and, of course, how we should respond to it. So, yeah, we'll take a little look at the residence, residential school issue because that certainly is a glaring example of injustice and how to answer these societal problems. And the answer, according to God's word, is Jesus Christ. So first off, when we hear of children being buried in unmarked graves in our own country, we ask the civilized question, how could this possibly be? Now, in all fairness, before we jump to conclusions, we, don't, we do want to let the authorities get to the bottom of what happened. When did they die? How did they die? Are there any records? And surely someone must have the answers to those questions. Well, one thing is for sure. This discovery has opened up some pretty deep wounds for indigenous people. And some of these people we know personally and we've met through our travels up north. And there are so many in our country that we don't know. But they are all hurting. And all we have to do is switch places, if, if we could, for a moment, and think about what if these were our children, our relatives, and so we can at least listen, and we should, and we can learn with gentleness and respect, because that is God, what God calls us to do when we see hurt and injustice. These children certainly did not deserve to die. So how on earth did these things get so bad? How did this happen? Well, just last Wednesday, a few of us met online with some of the members of a northern community. We heard stories about kids being rounded up in, on their reserves and thrown into airplanes and taken off to schools. Most likely, especially in the later years, we heard this firsthand that the government would come in and say, we'll give your children a great education, 
And if you don't send your children to our schools, you will forfeit your child's tax allowance. So there was a lot of pressure on the parents to send their kids off to what they thought would be a good education. But this was, of course, the government wanting to assimilate the indigenous people into mainstream Canadian culture, which was basically European white. And there standing by was the Roman Catholic Church, a well-oiled machine when it comes to educating. And given the opportunity to convert generations to the Catholic faith, but this is what I can't figure out. Because generally in history, not always, but generally, when missionaries went to foreign countries, and there have been thousands of missionaries in the past, and they've gone to foreign countries, they would live among the people and learn their language. And then using the language of the people, they would teach them about Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world and the forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life. And they would even translate the Word of God into the language of the people. That is why the Bible's been translated in so many different languages of the world. A good part of it, 1,500 languages. And when the people of that culture came to faith in Jesus Christ, then they would respond and express their faith and worship using their own language and their own prayers and their own songs and their own music. And what I can't figure out is, I don't know why in residential schools the children were not allowed to speak their own language. Some say it was the purpose to control. They also had to have their hair cut and made to wear dresses to look Europe, like European children, etc. And I don't know where haircuts and dresses and no Ojibwe, no Cree. I, I don't know where I read that as part of the Great Commission. The government was and has been quoted trying to get the savage out of the Indian. Rather than giving Jesus to the people. So what happened that these First Nation people were treated like this? Well, God gives us answers to all of our problems, whether individually or culturally, nationally or worldly. And we heard read for us in Genesis 3 that one of the consequences of sin in the very beginning, was division. You saw that between God 
and Adam. Adam was trying to hide from God. And then between Adam and Eve, there was blame shifting. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that there is no one righteous, not even one. So, how did this happen? Well, by nature, we are prone. Each one of us is prone to rebellion and division and dare I say, inequality. Because of our sinful, selfish nature, we often think we are better than others. This happens on a personal level, and it happens on a tribal or, or people group level. Selfishness breeds racism and inequality. Unfortunately, if we do a survey of history, we see this everywhere. We're not going to do that now. But here's one thing. Wouldn't world religions help? But they didn't help. Where certain individuals and classes rank higher than others on a ladder of spiritual attainment. They are more enlightened more holy, further along in paying their karmic debt, closer to the divine by virtue of their good works. Hinduism has the caste system. Islam has Sharia law, which gives women and outsiders nothing resembling the rights and privileges of the male faithful. We see this throughout people groups in Africa. Remember the genocide in Rwanda? 1994, 800,000 killed in 100 days. And we hear more skirmishes in Ethiopia. So the idea of equality didn't come from world religions. And those who are not religious blame religion for inequality really well not so fast atheists and agnostics our western civilization is so advanced and often you hear from mouths of the enlightened that christianity and judaism are primitive and repressive and stuck in the past and in our western civilization a dominant secular worldview has surfaced called evolution and it leads to the conclusion that some are more fit than others. Some deserve to be winners and losers deserve to die. And by placing animals and human beings on the same evolutionary continuum of development, evolution has given rise to racist views that some individuals and people groups are more advanced than others. Though this may be true, it doesn't mean people, it doesn't mean people 
are less to be less valued. And of course, this worldview is common in the halls of higher education. And higher education generally supplies our leaders, the government. And so in history, when we look a little bit back, we see Hitler take up this belief and try to eradicate the Jews and the gypsies. And we still hear talk today of the Aryan race. And Charles Darwin himself wrote prophetically, at some future period, not very distant as measured by centuries, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage races throughout the world. Taken to its logical end, an unadulterated evolutionary view of humanity cannot lead to equality. So the non-religious scientific community has not helped either with the problems of racism and inequality. And another big problem why this happened, when church and state get into bed with each other, history has proven that's not been a good thing. Remember the Spanish Inquisition? And on a much smaller scale, the residential schools. So how do we counter all these horrible things that are part of our civilized world? Racism, inequality, abuse, only the fits should survive, injustice, rebellion, selfishness. Better yet, let me give you one of God's lists of humanity's problems. Proverbs, if you wouldn't mind putting Proverbs chapter 6 up there for us to see. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. I find that very interesting. It's like God was instructing, we think it might have been Solomon, to write down six things and the world was changing and going down and down and down so quickly that while God was instructing Solomon, saying, here, write down six, someone did something in the world, and he said, better make that seven. Seven. Put it on the list. Number one, look at verse 17. Haughty or proud eyes. These are things that are detestable, abomination to the God who created us. Haughty, proud eyes. Did that contribute to residential schools? You bet it did. You see, we can either look down on people or other people, or we can look up to God. If we look down on people, that's how we have haughty eyes. And you can think you are better than them. But if you look up to God, that's how you grow in humility, which 
everyone needs a double portion of. Because when you look up to God, you constantly realize how sinful you really are in light of his holiness. The second thing, a lying tongue. That's saying things that just aren't true. And we live in the information age. Wow. So we use information to analyze and fix things. We just need more information and then we can make an informed decision. What if the information is wrong? Hmm. There are so many lies out there circulating as the truth. Everybody's an expert and everybody has a megaphone. And it seems anybody convince anybody with just the right picture combined with just the right emotionally charged words and you can start a conspiracy or a movement whether it's true or not. Hands that shed innocent blood. God hates hands that shed innocent blood and so should we. That is why there is such an uproar about the death of 215 children. What happened? Hands that shed innocent blood. I wonder what God thinks about all the abortions that take place on a regular basis in the name of comfort and convenience and progress in our civilized country. A heart that devises wicked plans. Well, what does that mean? That's when you are organized and architecting plans to do harm to others. That sounds intentional and it sounds systematic. Feet that make haste to run to evil. Some people, they cannot they can't do wrong quickly enough. They jump on the hate, evil bandwagon without even thinking. And so many in our day and age respond to evil with evil. A false witness who breathes out lies Witness, that implies public. They are publicly saying things that are untrue. Boy, is that easy today. To get your verse heard, your voice heard for good or for bad. And one who sows discord among the brothers. Discord, division, us against them. That's quite a list. And that's Dare I say, it might be 3,000 years old, those words, but it's in our world today. All those things. Little has changed. So think of this. If God hates pride, and remember that was the original sin of the devil, pride, lying, bringing people together to plan to do harm, and then publicly causing division among people, what God loves might be the opposite. Humility. People telling the truth 
living together in unity and harmony and making plans to do ministry service, not causing misery. And that sounds like the work of the church. But before there was the church, there was the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ. The sin and selfishness and self, the sinfulness and selfishness and arrogance and wickedness and evil of humanity is far too strong for us to fix on our own. Any government, any people group, any ideology, it has failed miserably again and again. So what God did is he promised to send a savior to crush the head of the devil and right the wrong that the devil was causing in the hearts of humanity. And Jesus came in all humility, and what did he do? You heard it read for you. He bound up the strong man, the devil, and he broke into his house, this world, and he robbed the devil of his power and his control over people, and he did it by humbly dying on the cross and forgiving us our sins. And he rose from the dead and gave us new life and his spirit of power to carry on his work of honoring all people, telling the truth, living in harmony, and making plans not to use other people, but to serve other people, to love them, so the answer to any of these social issues, whether it be racism or inequality or abuse or lying or misuse of power, you name it, the answer must always be Jesus Christ. He's the answer to the world's woes. And he starts at the root of the problem in people's hearts. So I want to leave you with these words. They really speak to the issue of how we should respond to what we hear and see happening in our world, to the injustice and to the hate and to the hurt. We use Twitters today to communicate. Well, apparently God's word has a few tweets in it. Some have said Romans chapter 12 is a series of tweets. This is Paul's words to the church and they've been the brunt of injustice and hate and evil this was very much a part of their world all you have to do is look up history and see how Claudius and Nero treated the early Christians and so we read I leave you with these words from Romans chapter 12 do not be conformed to this world, or the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And then verse 9, here are the tweets. Let love be genuine. 
abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, then, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, Give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Amen.